Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is Employment Report Friday in uh, Canada and the U.S., and therefore, there is no one better to go to than Canada's hardest-working economist, Eric LaSalle, who, who actually is already complaining about how hard he's working today. A lot, a lot of stuff on your plate right now, right, hey, Eric? The world's most complaining economist, anyhow. Yeah, there's a lot going on, Dave. It's, uh, some of them are sort of corner, quarter-end type stuff, and so some are just, there's a lot happening in the economy, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. <laughs> yeah, we... we, we uh... I mean, you, you, you're generally the, also the happiest economists that I know. They're generally kind of dour and, uh, and uh, depressing folks, but uh, you're generally upbeat. So we won't, we won't uh, it's, it's okay to complain here and there. Oh, good, good, excellent. Well, because I, because I, I, I know, I know you are working hard. Yeah, I mean, we, we really can't complain about these job numbers though, Dave. I don't know if that's where you want to start, but uh, gee, they're, they're holding up. Yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty unbelievable. So, 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 what are the numbers, and 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 what do you make of them? Right. Okay. Well, we we got both the U.S. and Canada. It was one of those days where we got the the double barrel employment action. And so, on the U.S. side, I mean, it, it was another month of two hundred thousand plus jobs created. This time was two hundred and sixty three thousand. Looks a lot like the average of the prior three months, by the way. So that that has been the trend. And so those are unambiguously strong numbers. You could maybe complain slightly that there were downward revisions to prior month, but it's it's still strong stuff. And I guess reflecting that the unemployment rate stuck around at 3.7%, which is quite which is quite low. So overall, I mean the main takeaway is it's a US economy that is still moving forward. And in fact as I was writing our our quarterly global investment outlook, I was just making that note, which is we've been pleasantly surprised by the resilience of the US economy. Let's emphasize it hasn't been perfect. We can see weakness in housing, we can see inventories turning, we can see consumers not spending less, but getting less in the sense that they're spending as much, but they're just, you know, they're, they're just for inflation and they're not actually buying quite as many things. And we can see businesses planning to invest less. So the economic deceleration story is still on, I think. Um, but still, it's been a pleasant surprise the extent to which the economy uh, has held together via the labor market. So we haven't seen that much weakness. Y- yes, the big tech giants are laying off. Yes, you can kind of see little snippets of softness here and there. But overall, that headline number is holding together. Um, I- I'm hesitant to say this. That I-, I-, I had this this be in my bonnet last month as well. But one thing that's interesting uh, as you know, is that there are two different estimates of job creation in the U.S. each month. Yes. The payroll survey, the household survey. Payroll survey gets all the attention, rightly so. It's a bit more stable and so on. But the household survey has really deviated from the, the official numbers, not just this month, but it, like month after month. I, I seem to remember it was like you know, six of the last seven months or something like that. It was the weaker of the two. And I think we've now cl- clocked together three or four months over that span that have technically been negative according to this alternate employment number. So, for instance, the household survey was down. 138,000 in the month of November. And so again, I wouldn't say that's the right conclusion. I would just say the right conclusion is maybe hiring is not quite as good as it looks according to the official number. But uh, overall, it's it's seemingly holding together. And the debate as always is, is that good or is that bad? And I guess I said pleasantly surprised just because I like it when people have jobs. But but ultimately, yeah. it does complicate life a little bit for uh, central banks and, and for everybody else, because here we are trying to, to tame inflation and to reduce uh, economic excesses that have dominated for the last year. And this doesn't quite get us there. So that's that's kind of the, the, the twist. Uh, Canada was a bit more well behaved in the sense that we added jobs. We didn't add a ton of jobs. It was 10,000 more positions. Uh, it was all full time and then some. And so that that was maybe the, the secret source of strength for Canada. But 
uh, held together there. And actually, that was enough to get the unemployment rate down a little again from 5.2 to 5.1. So we have two labor markets in North America that are doing just fine. It is interesting. In both cases, you see some job losses in retail. And so, again, suggesting maybe consumers aren't quite fully holding up. In Canada, we did see some job losses in construction. And so that's consistent with the notion that the housing market is still likely to continue correcting. Uh, but clearly, there were there were gains elsewhere. And in the U.S., a lot of that was, was healthcare and government. And there was still some addition to leisure and hospitality. There's still a million jobs short of uh, of where they were before the pandemic. And so that's a sector that's just continuing to recover. So a bit of a dog's breakfast beneath the surface, uh, but but with some interesting consistency of weakness on the retail side. So we'll see how that plays out. Didn't, didn't feel that way based on the Black Friday numbers I was seeing, but I guess the debate here is the extent to which was that consumers feeling great or was that consumers being you know, really price sensitive in the context of this was the deal they were going to get over the holiday season and they just did all their spending in, in three or four days and maybe there's less to come. So uh, all, all sorts of conflicting debates there as well. But bottom line, job numbers holding together, even though you could poke a couple of holes in them. So, so Eric, before before we transition into you know what you do as a central banker, how you interpret all of this as a central banker, and then all joking aside about how hard you have to work here, my, my sense is as I'm watching different uh, prognosticators or talking heads on TV, or we get the real expert like you on, on this podcast, that, that there are just coming out of COVID, there's just so many dislocations. There's just so many unusual things happening that it's really hard to get your head around everything. And, 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 and you, you referenced the two different reports signaling slightly different things. It is, it, is it, is my sense correct that that this is a particularly difficult time to to put the whole puzzle together and and is is that a result still a result of covid something unprecedented or is this just the world that you live in all the time as an economist that it's just really hard to to, to get at that? Like, is it is it different right now for you? It, it is different. Yeah, it's, it's it's the former, which is to say, yeah, this is unusual. There are a lot of huge swirling forces. There are some behaviors that are not uh, consistent with historical behaviors and. Uh, I mean, it, it is and it isn't COVID. I mean, it's the aftermath of COVID at a minimum. So that that's certainly clear. I guess you could say maybe it is COVID still to the extent that China's in the fray. China, we haven't mentioned, but of course, China uh, back to unfortunately a big surge of cases. And they've got the zero tolerance policy and the public has had enough. And so we're seeing protests, which are quite unusual by Chinese standards. And the government maybe is buckling a little bit to them. And it's this kind of upside down world in which uh, if, if the restrictions ease, it would probably be quite bad for the economy in the short run because they will see a huge surge of cases and unfortunately deaths and everything else that we don't want to have happen but it would unleash the economy over the medium run to finally uh, do what it wants to do as opposed to be limited by all of these restrictions so all, all, all sorts of really critical things happening there that i guess are covid specific but again your, your question was essentially is is this unusually hard to understand and predict and it is it, it very much is uh uh, I was just running through or listing off all of the risks and uncertainties. And I will say this, I mean, it's easy to dwell on the downside risks and it's easy to say, gosh, I mean, you know, risk of Taiwan being invaded, the risk that we get stuck in a 1970s inflation scenario, the risk that uh, we end up somehow with a financial crisis, not just an economic downturn, all these leverage players, you know, running into problems and whether it comes from British pension funds or, you know, cryptocurrency exchanges or private markets in a way that we don't quite understand. You know, there are big downside risks, certainly 
Uh, I want to say, though, that there are some pretty substantial upside risks as well. I mean, there's a chance that you get a ceasefire coming out of uh, Russia, Ukraine. It doesn't feel too likely, but it's, it's conceivable. Like the incentives are there if you think hard enough about it. Hard to fathom China getting a whole lot worse from here. And so there are arguably some upside risks there, including tentatively some easing of restrictions in Chongqing and, uh, and Guangzhou, which, which are still experiencing a lot of cases, but the public just doesn't want that anymore. And so that, that could well be a signal of, of things to come. And, you know, we think inflation comes down from here. And you know what? There's a chance it comes down a whole lot faster than we're thinking and solves a lot of problems all at once. And you know, we do think a recession happens. Um, but I have to admit, as these job numbers just keep trucking along, you know, that soft landing scenario is conceivable, isn't it? And so um, not to yeah, suggest yeah. we're in a world in which the risks are perfectly balanced. There are usually more downside risks than upside. There's just more natural disasters and things that can go wrong than things that can pleasantly surprise. But it might be a little more balanced than we think. So there's more uncertainty than usual. It's not necessarily all going to resolve in a bad direction would be maybe the point I would make. And if I, if I can circle back around to the you know, just the big economic variables we think matter so much right now. I mean, one is just inflation is too high, but we think it's coming down and we think it may come down yeah. faster than the market assumes, which is a really nice thing and maybe reduces a little bit how much the central banks have to do and so on. Um, the economy, we are looking for a recession. It's technically a slightly worse recession. And so that's kind of the, the counterpoint. And so I think the big debate for the the, the, the big brains on the investment team are, are the extent to which, like, which of these is the dominant force? And I would say, you know, you could make a pretty good argument. Inflation is the more important one here to the extent that it's the original problem and the thing we have to get right. And so if we fix that, maybe we're off to the races. Uh, but of course, the stock market generally isn't a fan of declining earnings and declining output and those sorts of things. And so there is the risk you get that hitch uh, along the way. But I, I, I still think the, the, the main story of value to investors is just, you know, think medium term here. Over the medium run, we feel pretty darn confident inflation is going to come down. Uh, we feel pretty confident whether you get a recession or not, that you've got a recovery probably taking hold towards the end of next year, which usually promises a couple of years of robust growth thereafter. And you know, stock and bond market valuations are both pretty cheap right now. Like the medium term outlook in both asset classes is good. But it was tricky to, to say which one might do better. That That's a tough one to answer. But the good news is both should do pretty well over that time frame. Uh, and so that, that that's maybe a period of time over which we can speak with greater precision and confidence. Yeah, it, it's a uh, and, and and maybe I'm applying too much of, uh, of of my personal circumstance to 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 these observations, but I guess uh, that's 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 what people do, and uh, and I'm sure it's not unusual. You know, I've, I've, I've I don't know if I mentioned at the front end, I've been I've been quite ill, so I, I go yesterday to get some uh, some cold medication, and you go into a pharmacy and there's nothing there. Uh, you you go uh, you know look for, for for different items at the store and and there's still some some empty shelves, which is you know incredibly unusual. Uh, you look at the jobs report and there's you know gains in some places, losses in others. I guess that's not that abnormal, but again, and I I, I don't want to make it sound like I all I do is hang out at bars and restaurants. But but when when I when I do look at a restaurant and I pull the hours up, it seems like it's uh, instead of being open, you know, seven days a week for lunch and dinner, it's open, you know, four days a week for dinner. And 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 the it just seems like it's taking a very long time for things to normalize. And these are things that, you know, we've been through recessions over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. But these are just things we haven't seen before, particularly from a North American perspective. Yeah, it's, it's true. I, I don't have a great answer for that other than it's, it's absolutely true. Some things snap back. 
and oversnap back. And so we're in a position of excess demand and some yeah. things haven't. And one way of thinking about it is that, you know, the supply of labor you know, got, got sucked up by the industries that rebounded first. And you've got this poor accommodation and food services industry and a few other, I guess, client facing uh, type of positions, which, which are seemingly less attractive in a post-COVID era. And they, they have struggled to get the workers. And so they've been limited in terms of the offerings they can make. So that's certainly true. Uh, you're making me a little sad because I, I keep saying supply chains are getting better. And I think they, they genuinely are. But I guess maybe the, yeah. the equal conclusion is they're not perfect. Uh, you know, my, my family is on an ongoing and unsuccessful quest to find green beans, which seem to have disappeared from the face of the earth. I don't know if that's just our corner of the, the city or, 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 or a more broad phenomenon, but they don't seem to exist. Lettuce is hard to come by still. Uh, I certainly yeah. know cold and flu medication, particularly for children, is, is not easy to get. Yeah. Um, Pineapple seems to be very cheap and in ready supply, David. So perhaps you can use some sort of secret remedy for your illness with pineapples. But that, in any event, we're, we're not normal yet. It's going it's to take, I guess, some time. Uh, I'd like to think, though, that to the extent the economy slows, that's probably not a bad remedy for fixing some of these supply demand mismatches and getting us back to a more normal place. But let's keep our eyes on China, too, because a lot of these products do come from China. And China's you know, gone back to significant lockdown right now. And it's a tricky debate because you could say it's clear been a failed policy by China to to have the zero tolerance as long as it has, but you can't just abandon it because their vaccines don't work that well. And the seniors aren't very well vaccinated, and uh, and they have virtually no natural immunity in the population. It would be a bad scene uh, for a period of time if they just let that thing run rampant. And so they 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 kind of can't they can't do that right now. Uh, and so it's going to take a little while longer to fix that. I think. So uh, so I'll I'll put in a plug here because my wife uh, was born in the Azores. Azorian pineapples, good uh, if you can find those, high quality pineapples. But uh, let's put everything together, all these pieces, because again, right out of the gate, very difficult time to figure out all these different things are going that are going on. Again, from a lack of certain things on the shelf to the Fed and central banks and what they're doing with rates, job numbers, and where these different dislocations are in the economy. So, Eric Lascelles, you've just been named chair of the Federal Reserve in the United States. What do you do? Do you stay on course? Do you, and, and, and based on the interpretation from the current chair, uh, Jerome Powell, what is he saying and, and how do you interpret where, where we're headed from here right. on central bank policy? Right. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be heartened by the idea that inflation is starting to come down, but I would recognize it's still too high. We haven't seen quite enough of a turn to speak with complete conviction that this thing is is solved. And, and as the labor market is demonstrating, the economy maybe is holding on a little too well to the extent we need it to cool off. And so I think the clear conclusion is there's a bit more work to be done. Rates have to keep going up at least for a little longer. Um, that said, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop pretending that I'm the chair and I'll acknowledge uh, uh, Powell is the chair. I mean, he gave a speech this week and he made pretty clear that the Fed is thinking in the direction of slowing the rate of tightening. So they've been going 75 basis points at a pop for a while, seen to be signaling 50. I'm sure tongues will be wagging post job numbers. Could it be 75 again? But I, I still put my money on 50 being being what they do. And they're getting closer to the finish line, whether the finish line is four and three quarters or five or five and a half. I think it's an open question. And there is the chance they could have to push a little longer uh, just as, as the labor market holds together. But something like five is not a bad guess. And so it's a big number and it's not something we've seen in a while. But keep in mind, uh, we've already traveled about 80% of the distance to five. So most yeah. of the hard work is done. Market fully expects something like five. So that's already priced into your two-year yields and your 10-year yields. And so uh, I, th I think it's a, a survivable 
doable thing. It's a tolerable thing. And I, I keep saying, don't forget that nobody's pretending five is the new normal. This is an explicitly emergency setting to deal with an inflation emergency. And so to the extent we get inflation fixed, and I think it will mostly be fixed, uh, we will then be on a quest to get policy rates back down to more neutral levels, which are about half that. And so uh, we should go down somewhat. And that's an opportunity for fixed income investors and maybe a sigh of relief for the many borrowers out there, including myself and and, and so on. So uh, it, it's not quite a permanent condition, but but there's a bit more work needed. And, and do, 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 how do you interpret the, 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 I mean, the huge move in, say, the, the 10-year treasuries, which, uh, you know, sitting yesterday, just before these job numbers, uh, U.S. 10-year is sitting at 3.5%, um, down from a, a peak of, what, around 430 yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it is, it, what, what is, what is that saying? Yeah. And does this I, lead into your medium term thinking right. about where things stabilize? Well, I think some of it is just a comment that, you know, this is an emergency setting, won't last for 10 years in all likelihood. And so let's, let's price in more reasonable yields for years, you know, three, three through 10 or something like that. Uh, I think it also is a, a reflection that central banks are taking their foot uh, a, a little bit off the brakes. Uh, and, uh, and and similarly, that inflation is starting to come down, right? Bond yields are a nominal variable. And so they reflect expected growth and policy rates, but also inflation. And the inflation story is looking a little bit less frightening as well. So I, I think I think that explains it. And we've tended to think a number in the threes broadly makes sense. And it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if there was even room for a bit more of a rally over the next year, particularly if we get a recession that, that sets in. Yeah, and and I, I think I think that's what we've we've talked about with uh, with some of the other guests is uh, you know just just looking back and we only have to go back uh, not even really two months uh, to see where they're you're starting to see some really interesting opportunities on the fixed income side uh, with with how far longer term rates had rallied um, given what we were starting to see in inflation and 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 what was continuing to happen uh, with the with, with central banks that you know they were determined to get this thing under control. So, uh, so, so, so we've we've already seen a, a a pretty nice rally in in fixed income, and always a a reminder that uh, oftentimes the, uh, the 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 time to move is when things look bleakest from an investment perspective. And that that's proving true again. Clearly, it was feeling pretty rough there a month or two ago, and gosh, there were some big opportunities. And I still think there are some some decent sized opportunities now. Excellent. Well, Eric, uh, thanks uh, thanks again for for hopping in uh, early morning here. On, uh, on a big day for uh, an economist and uh, always appreciate your insights. Uh, well, you know, once again, you've, uh, you've really had a, uh, a knack through a very uncertain period of, of, uh, of interpreting what's going on and, uh, and providing some great advice through this, uh, or great insights, I should say, through this, uh, through this podcast and all of the different ways. You know, again, you're a great follow on, uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn and all these things. So again, I'd encourage everyone to, uh, to stick with Mr. Lascelles because he's a, uh, he is a rare breed indeed in terms of, uh, of, of the economic uh, persuasion. So thanks, Eric. Well, gee, thanks, Dave, and get well and happy holidays, everyone. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.